Thank you for tuning into episode 28 of the Keto Matrix podcast. I'm going to do my best to keep this intro really short. Brittany and I have the pleasure of speaking with Crystal Gibson. This is one of those everyday people episodes. Crystal shares her story, how she discovered keto, how her life has changed from it, how she's taken what she's learned and what she continues to learn and shares it with her family, her kids, and her husband. Her husband did serve in the United States Navy. And so let's just all take a moment to say thank you for not only her husband, for absolutely everyone that is a service member that serves. I know that's totally unrelated to the Keto Matrix podcast, but it's definitely something that myself and Brittany um, really, really do take seriously and we appreciate. So having said that though, let's jump into the episode. Crystal's going to share so much. We talk about so many different things in this episode and I really think you guys will all take the time to lean in and enjoy it. With that said, if this is an episode that resonates with you that you like, please like, share, subscribe, rate us five stars because that really helps get us in front of more people, but share it with someone else that you know that this will resonate with. Thank you so much for listening. We really, truly do appreciate you. Let's jump into the episode. The Keto Matrix Podcast, where myths are busted, science is explained, and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and everyday people alike. For more information and support, go to theketomatrix.com. Now, let's jump into our latest episode. Brady, what's up? Not much. How are you today? Uh, uh, I'm good. I'm constantly reminded why I have you as a host. I feel like there's so <laughs> many things that with my sociopathic tendencies stop that I totally oh my forget gosh. about. And then I realize after you say them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Maybe I should think about the other people that we have on and what I say and how that may impact them. But I mean, I live in a world that's all about me, right? So is what it is yeah and now that our guest is super excited to talk to someone who just referred to themselves <laughs> as sociopathic um you might want to just go ahead and introduce her because then you're gonna have to explain that no nah, that's i'm sociopathic so we could wait but here's the reason that i said that the reason i said that is because she happened to catch my live earlier where already referred to myself as sociopathic so this is not news to her she she is completely aware i told everyone about the enneagram and the fact that you agreed with rihanna that i am sociopathic and so I feel like the cat's out of the bag. Sociopathic tendencies. I didn't say you were truly sociopathic. I said there were tendencies. I, th- I feel like the only difference between someone that's sociopathic and someone that has the tendencies is the ability to restrain themselves, which is what I do. I live my life in restraint. That's just how that works. I've embraced it. It's cool. No worries. I don't know about living your life in restraint, but that so, I'd hate to see you going full blast on some of the times that I have seen you. I guess I'm not quite so restrained. That's true. That's true. You know what, though? I feel like I am a quiet storm. Maybe not. I think that's an. Yeah, I mean, I just. Sometimes quiet is subjective, but. (laughs) That is. Well, hey, at, at least at least if nothing else, someone's listening to this and they feel the same. And just know that if no one else accepts your sociopathic tendencies, I will. Okay, so this is an honor for me, more so because of the fact that I have constantly been telling people that I want to do a better job connecting with people here in our own community that are keto. And honestly, Brittany, for as long as this has been now, if someone were to ask me how many people are keto within our own community, I could probably, especially since the only ones I know are ones that I've started on keto. But outside of that, I'd have to say it'd be like you and Rianda. So I... I don't even remember how we connected. I'm not sure how we connected, but either way, again, random everyday people that I'm like, hey, we need to share your story so it could impact lives. Reached out 
Come to find out, she is from here in Charlotte, lives in Charlotte. She's not from here because no one is actually from Charlotte, but that's a whole nother story and a whole nother podcast. But she lives here in Charlotte. And I said, hey, guess what? I'd love for you to come on the podcast. And the first response, which everyone says is, I don't know if I really have anything to talk about. Um, Maybe not. And then I'm just like, you do. Trust me, you have a story. We need to share it. And someone out there is listening and is going to relate. So without further ado, Crystal, now that you've listened to us talk forever, everyone welcome Crystal Gibson. And if I was really good at editing, I'd do hand claps right now, but that's not happening. (laughs) Hi. Okay, so I hope my my rambling and Brittany's scolding of me allowed you to feel a little bit more comfortable because I know it is kind of nerve wracking to get on and talk to complete strangers about topics that are going to peer into your life. Yes, (laughs) it is. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. So this is a real generic interview type question that everyone asks in every interview everywhere. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? (laughs) Okay, uh, well... I'm originally from California, but I've I'm sorry. spent most of my adult life in the Southeast. Very cool. My what part husband of was uh, the High Desert, San Bernardino County. Man, I hear San Bernardino, and for everyone else that doesn't know about my law enforcement background, when I hear that, the first thing I think of is San Bernardino County and their jail. Um, it's absolutely insane. It's one of the most popular ones in this country, by the way, um, that house some yeah. of the most severe criminals. So, yeah. fantastic. There's that. Oh, yeah. I, I used to tell people I grew up about 30, 40 minutes from the whole Aaron Brockovich movie where that took place (laughs) man that's a little yeah that's crazy okay so how when did you move to the southeast from cali um well i first moved to georgia right out of high school got married you know the whole navy thing so um i actually my first foray onto the east coast was in charleston and then uh there's a sub base in kings bay georgia so I lived there for a few years, then I bounced back to Charleston, and um, when my husband got out of the Navy after almost 10 years, we decided to give the Midwest a try. Okay, That wait. lasted for four years. I'm going to cut you off because that's what I do. First off, thank you okay. so much for your service. That's for you and your husband, because most don't realize that the spouse serves just as much as the husband does. So thank, thank you. you for that. Thanks. And then I want to kind of rewind a little bit. So because people are asking themselves how a woman from California ended up in Georgia out of high school. And you said you got married, but did you meet your husband on the coast in Cali or did you meet in Georgia? Uh, We actually met in Georgia. He was stationed there. Okay. So what was the thing that caused you to pick up and move from California to Georgia? Somebody else in the Navy, <laughs> which didn't work out. But then I met a different sailor, and that did. <laughs> I, I listen. I just had this feeling. I was like, "Who moves from California to Georgia of all yeah. places?" Yeah. So I knew there had to be something there. Okay, cool. Well, fair enough. Um, the best always wins. So awesome! Congratulations. So you moved to Georgia <laughs> um, via Charleston, and then. unpack the rest of that that had to be weird what was the hardest thing to do moving from cali to georgia i feel like that's okay so i moved from new york to florida which i felt was a little bit of a culture shock but it was still okay because there's so many new yorkers in florida i could not imagine moving from california to georgia that had to be like extremely weird major culture shock because it is a very small town 
And at the time, like they, like they had a Walmart, but it wasn't even a super Walmart, you know, it was just a Walmart. And, um, so yeah, that was a major culture shock. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Small, um, where, the small town that I uh, went to college in, like that was our claim to fame was that we had the, the super Walmart. And unfortunately that was what we did to kill a lot of time in that town. Also <laughs> going out at the Walmart. If it well, hadn't been super, yeah. our capture the flag games would have gone much differently. Oh my <laughs> word. So I'm just going to small little known factoid. And for all of you that are thinking about moving anytime soon, my wife and I have moved quite a bit and we, always now if we're moving to a new place the easiest way to find out forget crime reports forget asking the people locally if you want to know the type of area you're about to live in go to the closest walmart and just hang out for a little bit that'll give you the clearest idea of what's around (laughs) so either way okay so (laughs) no super walmart really small town and then you found out that you literally could fry everything and how did you get from Georgia to Charleston or Charleston back to Georgia and all of those great things? Well, he was on active duty. He was stationed on a sub at Kings Bay. Okay. And then when he finished his sea duty time, it was time to transfer to shore duty. And as a nuke, there weren't that many options for shore duty. So uh, Charleston is where the training is for the nuke program. So he transferred there and then became an instructor at uh, a, a school. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, it's been a while. (laughs) No, that's that's okay. That's okay. And for those that are trying to figure out what nuke means, she doesn't mean microwave. She's talking about nuclear. Just want to put that in there. I try to make everything Crayola clear for people. A nuclear engineer. Um, So my husband was an electrical engineer. So um, he was stationed on the nuclear powered sub. So. Man, that's crazy. He's got to be very um, intelligent, I would assume. You guys, I'm sure, have thought-provoking conversations constantly. He is. He is, yeah. Very and cool. He, he, he's continued with it. So, of course, we're out of the military now. Um, and so he loved teaching, and he's still doing it. All right, awesome. So um, let's fast forward a little bit. So how long have you and your husband been married now? Uh, we just celebrated 17 years. Wow. Congratulations. That's such a that testament of your, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's just it's fantastic. Marriage is one of the hardest things I've ever done, but one of the best and most rewarding for sure. Brittany, tell Rihanna that I said that in case she doesn't listen to that episode so I can get some brownie okay, points for that. I'll All right, cool. Thanks. I'll let her know. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but seriously though, that's awesome. I love hearing people married for a long time. I have been divorced before. And so when anyone's ever been married for like over a year, I'm like, that's awesome. It's such a, a growth opportunity for yourself and others and cool. So you get married, you go through this transition, you move, he gets out of the military. Um, he's now teaching and you've moved around quite a bit. Where are some of the other places you have been prior to calling Charlotte home? Um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. That's the first place that we moved when he got out of the Navy. Tell us a little bit about Iowa. <laughs> uh, it's cold most of the year <laughs> and it's very flat. <laughs> it's very flat and it's cold. <laughs> very flat. <laughs> After growing up around mountains in Southern California and then living, you know, near the coast in uh, Georgia and South Carolina, it was it was definitely a different environment. <laughs> 
Okay, so we can probably talk all day long about the negatives of the cold, flat Cedar Rapids, <laughs> Iowa. Give me the one thing about Cedar Rapids, Iowa that everyone should go there to visit for. And it's fair if you say nothing. <laughs> well, honestly, when the the summer does come, it is absolutely beautiful. I'm talking 80 degree days and it's just so pretty. Everything's in bloom, like all the trees and stuff. Um, and there's some good food up there. <laughs> Is there? I... Yeah, we had a we had a brewery that we went to that we really enjoyed, and cool. uh, yeah. I feel so, like... And then we had we had a good church family there, and you know, so we made some good friends there. I love it. I feel like those are the two most important things people need: good food and church. Because if you don't, you'll be cussing everybody out anyway. So I totally, I can totally understand that. I also feel like the coldest climates have the best foods because that's all you want to do is cook inside and eat. There was, there was a, um, there's a large German population there. So yeah, I got to experience my first pizza with sauerkraut on it. (laughs) Oh, I have never had that, but that sounds strangely good. Actually. I'm like, it is. It As a New Yorker, what other am, toppings were on this? I'm out. Was it just whatever you want? It was just one of the standard toppings up there that you could get on your pizza. And interesting. I mean, Brittany, come on. By the time you're putting sauerkraut on pizza, I feel like it's fair game to do absolutely anything else. Well, right. But I mean, I was just thinking like sauerkraut, that it would be paired with something else. That'd be like a specialty pizza and not necessarily that it was just like a standard Beer. topping, like your pepperoni and mushroom. Add a little bit of sauerkraut to it. I'm like, I don't know about that one, actually. I mean, I want to try it just because I hear weird things. And I'm like, oh, I need to try that. But it's not going to be at like the top of my list. It's paired with hops in the form of beer. I think that's a safe bet. I think. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I love, love, love German food, though. I'm a huge schnitzel fan. Um, mm. And other German food, like bratwurst, like I'm just, but the limit for me being a New Yorker and pizza and all those things, sauerkraut's not happening for me. But cool. Um, I can, I can appreciate people with weird taste buds or those that want to try creative things. That sounds better. Okay, so we're in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, enjoying the negative 40 degree weather. <laughs> And eventually you tell your husband, we've got to move because I'm frozen like Elsa. And so how did that transition? How'd you transition to Charlotte? Did you guys I've had I've heard people tell me that they've just pulled on a map and put their finger down. Did that work or did you actually have a plan beyond that? Uh, We kind of had a plan. My husband actually spent part of his childhood growing up in the Charlotte area and he has family here. So, um, and of course we knew that there was a power plant here and the, the final straw was a very long cold winter and we had some friends <laughs> that, uh, got a job at the power plant in Charlotte. And I said, that's it. <laughs> it's time to move. Oh man. Awesome. So, cool. And so how long have you been here now? Seven years. Seven years. All right. Awesome. Okay. So you're in Charlotte, your husband's working at the power plant and I'm assuming at some point in time throughout this 17 year marriage, you guys decided to have children. We did. We had our first child right before he got out of the Navy. (laughs) So we moved to Iowa when she was six months old and she's 12 now. And then while we were up in Iowa, we had our son who is now nine. 
Very cool. Uh, kids are awesome. Rianda and I, which is my wife, will never have kids because we choose not to. We're not. But having said that, though, I think ch- children are a huge blessing. So 12 and 9. Lovely. What are their names? Adeline and Aiden. Oh, I love oh, it. What's your names? Yeah, my neighbor's name is actually Aiden. So that's very cool. Adeline and Aiden. Um, tell them they're famous now so they can listen to this podcast <laughs> and tell all their friends that about 15 minutes into it, we mentioned them. OK, so um, I'm just I'm thinking to myself. First off, congratulations on waiting until he was about to get out of the Navy to have your first child, because I can only imagine for all of you single mothers out there or for those of you that are having children that aren't single mothers, but your husbands are serving, trying to raise an infant like I can't imagine raising an infant with two parents or four for that matter. So (laughs) good job there. It's it's hard. Yeah, we we waited. We were one of the last out of our group of friends to have a child. Um, We were married for almost five years before Adeline was born, which is quite a bit of time for a service family. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but we wanted to time it to where, okay, we got to have her so that, you know, we've got good insurance now and that'll be covered. (laughs) So, you know. It was a thought process. That is a good thought process. Okay, so um, how are things with now? I know people are probably trying to figure like when are we ever going to talk keto? But I'm all about like people first, right? So I mean, this stuff is real. So what what was the process like with you having your children? The time frames apart. I mean, that's three years, right? Mm-hmm. No, don't, four years. Me and my math lately on the podcast. I'm gonna have to start doing these things, it's, writing it's them down, three. and then three. It's three. <laughs> well, well, I mean, technically, right? Nine months. Yeah. So yeah, we'll go with that. Right. Um, so how does how does that look? Like, how do you raise your kids keto? How how does that look? Um, well, my journey with healthy eating actually started after I had my daughter. Um, that's when I first started cluing into how important what you put in your body is. Uh, The first three weeks we had her at home, she screamed for all but four hours of the day. Ouch. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you you for that. That's like self-inflicted birth control for me. Appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, we were exhausted and at our wits end and I saw the lactation consultant and she advised that I remove dairy from my diet. And I hadn't realized that that would even matter. You know, I just assumed, well, I'm breastfeeding. That's good. And as soon as I took dairy out of my diet, it was like we had a whole nother baby. (laughs) Okay, wait, wait, wait. First off, I just want everyone that may have not heard what she just said. She took dairy out, baby stopped screaming, and she felt like she had a whole nother baby, as in a different type of baby but the same child not an additional one for anyone that's like (laughs) driving right now while they're listening to this and thinking how is it a good thing to have two screaming kids um so just for clarity speaking i feel like i would mess that up but okay so when you were pregnant how did your diet look then like that whole time uh well you know i was in my 20s and i made the excuse like well, I'm eating for two and, you know, if I'm hungry or if I'm craving, I'm going to eat this, you know, a lot of so, sauerkraut pizza. <laughs> no, she not at that yet. point. Not oh, at yeah, that that's point. Right. See, but I got introduced to Southern barbecue. And so, you know, between the barbecue and, you know, just pizza, cause I love pizza and just whatever I want to eat. I ate. Awesome. What's but your I favorite? took my prenatal, you know, so I felt like I was doing okay. Hey, that's the important thing. You yeah. had your daily dose of folic acid. That baby was good to go. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so yes, that is true. And Southern barbecue can raise any good baby, as everyone in Georgia will tell you. What was your favorite pregnancy food? Oh gosh, you know I don't remember anything specific with her. I I remember eating a lot of Italian and Mexican though. Uh, the one thing that that really I didn't eat anymore. Uh, at least at home, was ground beef. For some reason, when I was pregnant, cooking that, uh-uh, couldn't happen. Okay. So, okay. yeah. Um, I didn't Unless have it any taco? hugely strong cravings. <laughs> yeah, it had to be prepared. She just couldn't cook it cook herself. It, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. All right, so I'm thinking, first off, Georgia, Italian, and Mexican. Just well, that was, I was in South Carolina when I was pregnant with her. So we had... Like- uh, yeah, it's a mess. You know, no, no. <laughs> I feel like I should have taken a dose of MCT so I could have kept better track during this time frame. But okay, so <laughs> not that not that Italian and Mexican in Charleston makes any more sense to me than it does in Georgia. But again, no worries. I want to ask your so Adeline. Now, is there anything that she absolutely hates? Not that she hates, but she cannot do dairy again. Man, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting. So, you know, uh, obviously I I removed it when breastfeeding and I reintroduced it when she was probably about eight or nine months old just to see if it was maybe a premature digestive system. Um, And she seemed to tolerate it. You know, I was giving her organic whole milk based products and uh, she seemed to do okay. But... uh, her body, you know, has changed as she's been going through puberty. And so the thing that I noticed, as I'm sure, you know, when there's hormonal changes in the body, things that you used to tolerate, you no longer do or vice versa. And she started getting stomach aches. So we had to take the dairy out of her diet again. Man. So two of the things I think about right now are my wife kind of has a, I don't want to say it's a dairy intolerance because it's not necessarily the dairy. Um, it's her sensitivity to the process in which whey exists, um, and how it's formulated. And it took a ton of time to kind of figure out and put our finger on that. But having said that, um, have you ever tried any of the alternatives to, I don't know, like the A2 A2 protein removal and some of those things where, um, you just check to see sensitivity on that or how, and how, how deep have you delved into that situation? Cause I know there's, there seems to be more and more people that keep coming up with these dairy intolerances. And I always am curious yeah. as to what aspect of it is it? Yeah, sure. So, um, I actually suspected I had issues with dairy and I did a test a while ago and I have a sensitivity to casein and that mm-hmm. seems to be what her sensitivity is. But, you know, um, after we moved here for several years, I was actually buying raw milk and, you know, she used to be able to tolerate it. I still always buy organic, even if I can't get the raw milk, but I don't know if it was just a change in her body, even that was giving her stomach aches. So we just had to remove it. Cool. And with it being casing, did she have a sensitivity to eggs? She doesn't seem to. I do, though. Wow. That's so this is totally not the point of this this episode or this podcast, because now I'm just kind of getting into my own science brain and I'm thinking about all of these things and what could and what aspects of this could factor into the sensitivity and intolerances and all those things. But um, we'll move past that. So how did you get to the point 
that you decided you were going to start keto. What did that look like? And tell us kind of a little bit about your journey without um, me interrupting you. (laughs) Sure. Well, actually, right after we moved down here, um, I went on Atkins. I still had baby weight after having my son. So I did the low carb thing for a while and I lost um, all but about 10 pounds of it. And then uh, through research and reading, I found out about uh, just eating whole foods and I stumbled upon Weston Price Foundation. And so I really started uh, diving into preparing foods properly and that sort of thing. Um, and the interesting thing was I, after getting a food sensitivity test, I found that I reacted to casein egg whites, soy, and gluten. And I had suspected I had a gluten intolerance just based on my symptoms and what I had read. So I cut all that stuff out of my diet for months. And, you know, the rest of the weight just melted off. Um, I had also, after a few months after I had my son, I had gotten blood work done. My triglycerides were at 285. That was scary because my dad had his first heart attack when he was 42 or 43. So that was on my mind. He has very high triglycerides. So I was worried that I was having a, you know, that genetic predisposition like he does. And so, you know, after I cleaned up my eating and and removed those inflammatory foods, uh, the last 10 pounds melted off without me trying. And then my triglycerides had dropped down to 65. So that was kind of my first clue. Okay, so a couple questions. I just for man, okay, there's so many questions now. I'm trying to figure out which one I want to ask you first. So, my first thing is, what was the test? What did you get? Like an MRT test? What was your sensitivity test that you took? Well, I was so when I was doing all this research, obviously, you know, you hear about the skin tests and the blood tests, and how um, I was reading that sometimes they're not always accurate. Everybody says the good old standby is just to do, you know, elimination, eliminate it from your diet, see how you respond, reintroduce it. If your symptoms come back, then that's the reliable way. But I found a guy, um, a specialist, I think he was in Texas. Now keep in mind, this was years ago. Um, but he had an interesting idea about, um, testing poop (laughs) because, you know, as it goes through your system, if you are actually reacting to it, it's better to go closer to the source. So I sent my poop and those were the only things he had the testing set up for at the time. And it did show that I had antibodies against those food items. Only in Texas. Yeah. That's a a, a crappy situation to have to be in. (laughs) (laughs) But I I love it. I gotta, I gotta throw that out there to Allie. As soon as she said Texas and all those, I was like, that's, this is an Allie Miller uh, euphemism for sure. Okay. So cool. So you, you take the food sensitivity test and, and I I can appreciate anyone that's really want to dial in, understand those things. But for me, I guess my next question is why, like, why did you, I feel like there's so many people out there, especially those that come to me and they want coaching or they want to understand keto. And my question is always like, why, like, why did you decide that you wanted to research it? Why did you decide that you wanted to improve? Like, why not just be the status quo of everybody else? I mean, you can look around at any mall anywhere at the food court and watch people stuffing garbage in their mouth that makes them feel like crap and they still do it so why did you want to be different 
because I felt like crap. Um, I really noticed it. I really started noticing um, symptoms after I had my son that, um, gosh, where do I begin? The, probably the biggest thing was uh, depression. I think I did have postpartum depression after having my son. Um, and I had extreme fatigue. Um, I noticed like my acne had increased. And so there was just all these symptoms, um, you know, anxiety, depression being the big things besides the fatigue. It's really hard to raise small children when you feel like you just want to go back to bed because you're tired all the time. And I just did, I, I knew something was wrong. Um, so when I started you know, looking into, well, why does my daughter have this dairy sensitivity? Could I have it? You know, thinking back on my childhood, I suffered with very frequent stomach aches. And so, you know, I just, it really got me thinking, what foods am I putting in my body that I might be reacting to? And how many of these foods are causing the problems with how I feel now? Wow, okay. And, you know, food's always that really easy thing that, doesn't cost anything that anybody can manipulate and see what it does. So I figured, let's try it out. Let's take these foods out of my diet for an extended period of time and see how I feel. What was the extended period of time? Like how, how long, what was the starting point? Um, I don't remember exactly when I started, but it was almost a year that I was really good about not eating any of those foods. Any dairy, any dairy. This is still just like the dairy exclusion. Um, I didn't eat dairy and I didn't eat egg and I didn't eat soy and I didn't eat gluten. Okay, cool. Yeah. And soy is one of those things for any of you listening. Ex nata soy in, in all forms. Um, okay, cool. So you're, you're doing that. You dabbled in this Atkins thing. You lost the baby yes. weight. Your acne is clearing up. How did this stuff impact your husband at first? Like, I'm always curious to know, like, I know Rhonda looked at me like I was absolutely insane when I first like kind of started those kind of things and changing and transitioning. Um, she was supportive, but she still looked at me like I was crazy. How did, how was, how was your depression, your fatigue, all of that? How was that impacting your husband? Oh, well, big time. You know, I was always grumpy and you know, I was tired and not feeling good. And so it's hard to be in a good mood and hard to have a positive outlook, um, when you're not feeling well. And I always seem to have seasonal depression. He was accustomed to that from the point that we were together. He always knew winter time was the hard time for me. Um, and you know, of course, fast forward, I now, uh, use vitamin D to get my vitamin D levels up. And that's been a big factor, but I find that what for me seems to be the primary trigger is gluten. Um, and what I noticed when I was going through the clean eating time, it just dawned on me one day, you know, I'm not grumpy. I'm not as tired. I have a lot more energy. Like all those symptoms just kind of went away. Man. Yeah. That's so <laughs> how long did you think it took before you realized it? A few months. Okay. So I would, yeah. when you say a few, like at least three, like at least 90 days. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, what? I think I think it was a good six months until um, I noticed like the full gamut of symptoms were reduced, if not eliminated, for me. Man, so. <laughs> I never, I never know how to ask this question, but it's something I always think about because I feel like it's, it's the number one thing I wish if I could create a supplement for this, that I had one. What was the thing that kept you going past the 30 day mark or the 45 day mark or the three week mark? Cause I feel like there's so many people that, you know, they, they are fed up with whatever it is, whether it's their lack of energy, the depression, their anxiety, that's out of control. Um, and then at some point in time, they just feel like, I'm out. I'm done. I don't feel like doing this anymore. And then they go back. What was it that kind of kept you going? Um, at that time, knowing that I had to be at my best for my kids, my family, um, you know, I had little ones at home. And at that point, I was starting homeschool with my daughter. So I had to have the energy to last throughout the day between teaching her and taking care of my son and, you know, just the household in general, keeping things together. And so when I felt better and I felt like that brain fog was gone and that fatigue was gone, I was able to do that. And that motivated me. And then also, I mean, losing weight was a motivation too. seeing that, you know, those last 10 pounds that everybody says, oh, you'll never get rid of, you know, that's just there now. Uh, they came off without me trying. And so that was a motivator as well. I love it. I love it. I was just, as you were saying those things, I kept thinking about the fact that I think it was episode 23. It was a solo episode. So I'm sorry, guys. But I was talking about the fact that sometimes you have to move beyond the why for yourself when you get to those points that you're stuck um, or you want to stop and start looking at like the other people that you're around, like your children, like your spouse, like those that you interact with, because um, sometimes those people help you kind of push further through um, some of those things and, and reasons for stopping, which is cool. Um, so I love that. I think that that's I think that's such a a relatable piece that people should be able to kind of lean in on. So um, how long have you been keto now? I've been keto. It'll be a year next month. Congratulations. Happy anniversary. Um, and how does is your husband follow keto now? No, but, you know, he's starting to come around. Um, he's decided on his own to work at eliminating sugar from his diet. And he's always uh, enjoyed the meals I cook. Um, you know, when I cook dinner, everybody eats what I can eat <laughs> because I'm Love the cook. It. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, he's always been on board with that and has no complaints about the food. And, um, I think he's, he's wanting to change his lifestyle number one, because, well, he's 40 now. And so health is an issue. He's got kids who rely on him. He's got a family to support. So I think that's starting to hit home, especially as our parents have gotten older and have their health issues. And he's seen, you know, his dad's diabetic. And, um, so he sees, how important it is to take care of yourself as young as possible. True story. I mean, that was the whole reason why I, don't, I didn't start keto for that reason, but that was the whole reason I started looking at, you know, increasing and improving my health and vitality. My wife's nine years younger than I am, and she likes to remind me, even if she doesn't mean to, 
about the difference. Brittany can totally attest to the things that she says sometimes. Horrible. But um, OK, so your your husband's not, but he will be. I think we might have to re- reverse engineer him, like starting carnivore and kind of working that way back in, because um, I feel like all men just love to eat meat anyway. But um, now I know I, I believe you mentioned offline that you are a stay at home mom that raises your kids at home and you homeschool them. I do. They okay, so- that's all they've known. <laughs> okay. So, so how does that work? Do you, do they eat keto? And if not, like how, what's their proximity to keto? They don't eat keto, but they definitely eat a lower carb diet. Um, obviously the, the dinners that I cook are keto friendly. So they're getting a low carb meal there. And then, um, most of our products are gluten-free or organic. I minimize processed foods. Um, I've tried to just find balance for them. You know, it's hard for kids when they're around friends and, and doing events, um, to be very different in their diet. So I try to approach it in a, um, a modified way, you know, at home, I really focus on eating very, very clean so that it's not as impactful when they go out and there's a birthday party and, you know, cruddy cake, they can have a piece of cake because we're not eating that stuff at home. You know, um, I do limit their sugar. I'm very careful about that. I give them one treat a day, but you know, that treat could be like, if they want a soda, when we go out to eat, that's their treat. And, you know, I consider juice that way, like juice is not in our house. So any, that sort of thing. Yeah. They don't, you know, they've got a Halloween candy bucket. I give, I let them have one little piece and that's their treat for the day or whatever. So, um, we're working on it. We're working on it. It, there's been a lot of daily education. You know, I try to talk through my experiences and where I'm at in my health because I want them to realize how important diet is. And the younger they are in adopting healthy choices, the better off they're going to be. And hopefully they can avoid a lot of it. Man, I love that. Okay, so here's the thing is I am absolutely ignorant to anything that you just said in the sense that I don't have kids and, you know, I won't be having kids. I just want to keep throwing that out there so that people are aware. So how does that look like? How do you share your thought process and outlook on health? So to a point in a way in which that they can absorb it, own it and embrace it themselves like how does what is and I'm totally serious with this like what does that conversation even look like with a 12 and a nine-year-old it you know it occurs very naturally when I'm making food or when they ask well why aren't you eating that or what why are you eating that I explain to them well mommy can't eat this because you know and then I'll go into you know why I can't have gluten or why I have to be careful on my egg intake or that sort of thing. And of course, right now I'm doing deeper state keto. So I'm only doing 10 total carbs a day. And so I'm explaining, well, you can have that, but I can't because there's too many carbs in it. And, um, Adeline, my daughter, uh, we listen to Jimmy rants. 
So she's actually been learning a lot through Jimmy. She loves Jimmy. Uh, love she's it. so excited to meet him when he was here for his book signing. So wait, 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 um, wait. Stop right there. So what yeah, you're saying is yeah. we just connected literally a couple days ago. But weeks ago when Brittany and I met up with Keto Coach Lauren and Jimmy and the I whole gang. there. Wow. <laughs> I saw you there. I was leaving as you were coming in. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. That's really And I got to meet Lauren. Like I took a picture with Lauren and talked to her. And then of course, you know, we met Jimmy and yeah. Christina. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. I don't yeah. understand. That's hilarious. It's you know yeah. what's weird is walking around with the Mohawk, it's easy for people to see me and not me see them. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I'm also really short and, you know, I just kind of blend no, in. No, it's just sociopathic <laughs> tendencies. He only uh, is focused on himself. Yeah, true story. I'm good with that. So, um, okay, cool. So you're listening to Jimmy Rants. First off, I just want to like pause here for a second because I think that those are the type of things that more of us should be doing. You know, I have said on some of my lives, my keto wokes that, you know, I immerse myself like I'm constantly I never have the time to share, but I'm constantly listening to other people's podcasts and Jimmy's rants and keto coach Lauren and every, everyone like I do my best to listen to at least three or four different podcast episodes every single day um, in regards to a lot of different things, because it keeps me pushing myself to continue learning more and growing and having those conversations with my clients. Um, and everyday people for that matter. And so I think that's absolutely awesome. Um, it's so nice to listen to how other parents are raising their children and trying to educate them when it comes to, you know, clearing out the nonsense that is what you're supposed to eat and what standard American, standard American diet is and blah, blah, blah. And the, the garbage that Canada just released recently that I know you probably heard on one of Jimmy's rants is insane. Oh but, yeah. Um, I just, I, I cannot believe some of the amazing ways parents have taken their, their approach to kind of educating their kids. I know, um, Rachel Gregory and Danny Vega put out that awesome program, killing it fat fueled, um, to kind of help people that have no idea like how to even start. But it's always fascinating to me to listen to other people kind of you know create and cultivate their own methods in you know reaching their children I think that that's just it's the most important part like no matter how many parents I speak to I will never be able to impact their kids the way that they can um so hats off I am I am so like so cool that you're doing that um so have with your daughter with Adeline listening to these things um does she like share this stuff have you ever like caught her telling her friends like oh you shouldn't eat that because it's garbage <laughs> uh well you know i've talked to her about that just because i've heard other stories and how that's not exactly well received by other people <laughs> i would never so, know that with my tendencies yeah I, there's stories that i've heard um so you know i just tell them quietly don't judge not everybody is as well informed. Uh, if they ask why are you eating that, then that's a great opportunity to say, well, my mother packs my lunch this way because, you know, and that's a great way to teach them. But, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a hard area because people get very sensitive when... <laughs> You know, especially if your kid's preaching at their kids about stuff. Oh, so that's where kids we just try to be respectful and kind. And if there's an opportunity to share, then that's when you share. I love it. 
see, I could have learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all like, offense is a choice. Be offended. I don't care. Um, I cringe because there are kids that, that so they go to uh, classes um, where they're around other homeschoolers. And I cringe because I hear of other students that are vegetarian. Or and and that's because their parents make them eat that way, and I'm just like, ah, oh. <sighs> what can you say? You know? No, oh, I, I know what I could say. They wouldn't like it. They would I not know, like. I know. <laughs> not I even know. a little bit. Those are the kind of things that it. <sighs> You know, and I know there's I want to say one of the things I love about the keto community is that we tend to be more open to having the discussions without sounding um, judgmental. But, you know, at the end of the day, that I think is the thing that bothers me the most is one, those kids that I mean, we were talking about Walmart, right? How many times have you gone to Walmart and you just look at kids and you're like, it's not the kid's fault that they're 180 pounds and eight like that's on you. And then the other side of that is looking at kids that are just severely malnourished, not because they're not getting enough food, but because they're not, because they're eating things like only vegetables. Um, and I mean, I bite my tongue. i like, I do because it's stuff that it just drives me insane. And I have absolutely no problems confronting people with those things. But having said that, how do you feel as a parent? Like what can, what can parents do to help change that? And I'm not I, this is totally spur of the moment. I'm not expecting you to necessarily have an answer to roll out to every parent everywhere. But I mean, what does it look like? What what can we do? What can what can I do as a person within this community? What can Brittany what like what can we do to help educate and change change those things? Because I'm not having kids to do it. So it's got to be something other right. than that. Well, for parents, you know, who are very busy, it has to be something that's sustainable and you know easy swaps like swap this for that type thing um making things fun for kids like when you pack a bunch of little finger foods little kids love that stuff you know so you you have to make it attractive to the kids and you have to you have to make it easy for the parents to incorporate into their busy schedule. Okay. Um, What's you been know, your like favorite swap or quote hack to you? Like as far as making things fun or making it things that your kids are maybe excited to take with them to lunch, as opposed to being like, Oh yeah, this is going to raise a lot of eyebrows and get me picked on or something. Well, as I said, with my kids, I'm not really strict keto, but uh, like my daughter, well, obviously um, when we go around other kids, we have to keep things peanut free just because peanut allergies is such an issue. So um, my daughter loves PB&Js. Um, we Your daughter have, and I would be great friends. I love yeah. PB&Js too. So, you know, she's eating it on gluten-free bread, but we use almond butter. And, um, and then my mom makes homemade wild blackberry preserves with no sugar. So like that's that's my daughter's favorite jam. So that's what her sandwiches are made with. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. And then my son, he loves, he, he's more into the finger food thing. And you know, those old lunchable things, how they, how they've now got those protein packs where it's like, 
Yeah, he loves the ones with the nuts, the meat, and the cheese. And so I give those to him. And, uh, you know, then I'll pack a bag of nuts or, um, you know, I don't go crazy with a bunch of fruit, but he'll like applesauce. So I might give him that or uh, just an orange or something like that. I nice. love it. So and one then of the they, things- they have veggies too: carrots, tomatoes, olives, cucumber, peppers. I always include veggies. Nice. I'm yeah. looking for. Okay, so because you're local to Charlotte, I could say this. And for those of you that are listening that aren't local to Charlotte, um, you can buy online. But there is a company called Abby's Better, and it's nut butter that literally will change your life. Um, the thing that's so amazing, this was a little girl. She lives right here locally. I believe she's in the Huntersville area, actually. It might be Huntersville or Mooresville. But um, I don't remember if she had a nut allergy to peanuts or not. But she came out with pecan butter, cashew butter, etc. And she makes it. You can find it in Earth Fair. And then some of the food lines that showcase local vendors have it as well. But it's absolutely amazing. It tastes great. It's completely clean, limited ingredients. And for someone that's trying to find an alternative to the taste of, you know, almond butter or some of the other alternatives that are out there, this stuff is amazing. Uh, And then obviously, have you had macadamia nut butter from F-Bomb? I haven't. It's been on my list of keto treats to order. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So you totally um, the code is Keto Neo. If you order, it's 20 percent off if you go to fat is smart fuel or fatbomb.com. But those things are amazing. So I happen to love macadamia nut butters. I also like pecan butters. Um, But either one of those options, as opposed to just the almond butter, um, I just I'm just throwing it out there. Me personally, I have this aversion to almonds. I think that's why I'm like so strong into alternatives other than almond butter. Um, I don't know why I'm so so opposed to almond butter. I just am. But either way, this is what it looks like for those of you that are um, listening because this is a podcast. You can't see this, but put in abbysbetter.com um, and you'll check it out. But she's I mean, I remember my wife and I had her grandmother, I believe, was in Earth Fair demoing the stuff. And she was like, yeah, you know, a little girl made this and blah, blah, blah. I thought it was crazy. So shout out to them. They're local to North Carolina. Um, I think that that approach with your your children is regardless of what I think I think is awesome anyway. Um, <laughs> like, like, does it really matter what I think about how you're doing? You're like, I raise my kids however we want to. I get it. But I, I love since that. Since you're not a parent at all. But I have dogs. But um, I I. That's you true. But literally just compared her children to your dogs. That was bad. I, see <laughs> slash sociopathic. It's right, okay, I understand. <laughs> I actually we do not know where to go from there. So thank you for that. <laughs> but it's not often I was, that I can bring you to be speechless. So I want to revel in this moment for just a second. Was not comparing your children to dogs. Your children are amazing beings that are not canines. Having said that, let's move right along, shall we? Um, <laughs> seriously, though, I think that that's awesome. Would you, if you were, if you were a parent, is a dumb, dumb question. But if you were invited to say a parent get together for the children that are homeschooled to be educated or given ideas on something like that, program-wise, diet-wise, nutrition wise for free would that be something that you'd attend or want to attend um probably yeah and especially if it was geared towards hands-on or like more independent learning for the kids themselves 
um, if they made it fun and relatable for the kids and it can be like educational um, and, and I'm putting myself in a position if I didn't know anything about health you know I say healthy eating meaning just the sad diet the standard American diet um, I, I would do that yeah and okay. I think it would be fun especially if it was presented in a way like a little cooking class for the kids like that would be you know that would be great I think that would be a great attractor especially for people who are home educators because we're all about the hands-on learning <laughs> hey cool so you just yeah newsflash guys so this is happening I, this just this just happened um we'll talk offline about it but we'll do it I'm thinking probably in like Atherton Mills Market where they have the kitchen and we'll open it up to something for homeschooled children during the day. Um, I'm going to reach out to Keto Coach Lauren since she has a child and see if we can't incorporate that as well. But let's figure out how to do it. I, I would totally love to do that and help because it really I can't I can't express to you how absolutely irritated I get when I see um, children that are the way that they are because people just don't know. So let's figure out how to put that together. We'll, we'll talk about it offline, but I'm all in. Um, okay. So you're here now. You've, it's almost a year in. What do you think has been the most dynamic change for you since making the switch to being keto? And before you answer that question, I just want to give Brittany the opportunity because I know we had a hard stop for her, um, but I'm not going to cut this interview short for us to um, change her transition. So if Brittany, if you have anything else that you want to say, feel free to throw that in there. Um, I do not, but it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm sorry that I had to uh, cut out early on this, but I have loved the information that you have, particularly um, as it pertains to families and being able to find that balance uh, both for you and for your kids um, and realizing that it's that is a process and a transition and it doesn't have to be like all or nothing um, and Absolutely. that each family has to make it work for themselves and your respect for that, I think, is awesome. So. It was Best great meeting you. you. Nice to meet you. And I'm sure we'll meet in person um, now that we all realize that we are all in the Charlotte area and yeah. passing each other in bookstores. So, yeah. And the, <laughs> the, last, the last thing I want you to answer while Brittany is still on, where is your favorite place in Charlotte to eat keto? Oh, gosh. Um, I like to keep it simple and just go to like whatever local steakhouse there is. Um, but as far as barbecue goes, I love Jim and Nick's and I love Midwood. Midwood is really if, good. If you really want to get fancy Chima. Oh, well, yeah, Chima. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Me as a carnivore, Chima and I are best friends. Yeah. For, absolutely. Yeah. Fair we took our kids there for um, not this last anniversary, but the year before. We all went there for our anniversary dinner, and they loved it. <laughs> How could you? Especially not love my it? daughter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like kids think they made it when they went to Golden Corral. Forget Chima; they're bringing <laughs> the food to you. Come on, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Brittany, have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. Peace. Okay, so as we're looking at what we would do with, <clears throat> you know, just in, in general and transitioning and looking now at the year that you've come through, what do you think has been like the most impactful change for you? Um, honestly, my mindset. Uh, you know, as... <laughs> 
as we've all experienced the yo-yo dieting where, you know, you do really good, you start seeing results, but then for whatever reason, whether life happens or it's just a lot of work, you fall off. Um, and it's just a vicious cycle. And so for me, when I started keto, it was a mindset change to commit no matter what and to make it work. And I find that the ketogenic lifestyle, it works for that. Um, I had one of the most stressful years of my life this last year. I had a lot of stuff going on. Like when you take those stress tests, there's multiple things on that list that I went through. And even though for the majority of the year, I took a, what we call, and I'm sure this drives you crazy, the lazy keto approach. with everything that was going on in my life, I was still able to stay to that. Even if I was just focusing on what my max carbs were for the day, and I didn't know exactly what my protein macros and my fat macros or the ratios between them were, um, you know, I was still able to make it sustainable and to stick to it no matter what was going on. If it was a day where we were packing stuff and moving from house to house, you know, and I've got boxes in my car, I could still swing through Wendy's and get a bunless burger and stay keto. And so what I realized was that when you have that mental commitment, you can make it work in whatever situation. No, I love that. And so I just... <laughs> These are one of those things that I always have to try to remember that for the amount of people that have been listening to me, listening to me from day one um, in the Facebook group and on the podcast and in person and what have you, um, there is still someone that has never heard me before and is going to talk. And when I when I rant and go crazy with the lazy keto and the dirty keto and all these other horrible words and phrases and adjectives to, to things that aren't keto drive me insane. Um, I think the thing that people miss in what I'm saying is I totally get it. Like our, our summer, my wife and I is 2018. And the last summer that just passed was seriously the makeup of the most amazing country song ever with just how crazy everything was. And so I understand life being stressful and understand not being able to track macros every day and track intake. And I've been to Wendy's so many times. Um, But the thing that I don't like is when people you were 100 percent committed with interference. Like, I'm cool with that. Like, that's something that I think is always going to happen because life is life. Right. What I what I always try to advise and encourage people against is the 100 or I should say the 50 percent commitment and then desiring 100% results. Like I feel I feel too often people are like, you know what, this is too difficult and so I'd rather not try. It's almost like um the and I've, I think I've talked about this poem on a podcast before where it said, you know, um what is our biggest fear that we're, you know, powerful beyond our belief and it's you decide you decide to kind of hide your light because you don't want others to see it. And so whenever you're you know, opting for lazy keto because you're like, oh, I love bread too much. I'm always like swerve, literally swerve from swerve and everything else. <laughs> like just be focused on realizing that you can be and you are stronger than you've ever known if you allow yourself to exercise that strength. Um, that's where I get really irritated about the lazy keto, dirty ketos, because a lot of times it's for people that are just not willing to, 
you know, put themselves out there and truly try at something. So um, I totally am like, yeah, stressful year. I, I get it. Like, I, and, and let me just throw this out there. It's not just me. Like we all get it. Any of us that have been doing this for over a year, two years, three years, we have come to the point where there are certain times where we love tracking. I love tracking, but there is freedom sometimes in not tracking and just knowing what to avoid completely and we all need that break sometimes so yeah listen hats off I, I think that's fantastic um i don't i i am not and would never judge someone for not being able to based on the life circumstances that happen for those moments in time you know like for real um okay so the mindset because you you talked about that and that for me is a huge thing like that's the whole reason why this is the matrix right i feel like every time from the very first time i ever saw that movie to every time i've ever seen a scene or a theme or anything matrix related the thing i always go back to is the fact that it's a mind thing you have to mentally make and be prepared to switch and understand that everything you've once known or looked at or been taught is subject to the true interpretation now that the factual information is presented and that i think is definitely the most difficult thing for everyone is being able to really mentally commit to the fact that what you once have known is subject to change and everything that you continue to learn is subject to change if you continue to research dive into um and experience so how do you continue to keep your mind fresh sharp and willing to grow um, well, I think the biggest thing to keep in the forefront is to know your why. Why are you doing this? What is most important? Um, when you have that, it makes it a lot easier to make that commitment and then everything falls into place. So, um, you know, when I first got interested in keto, it was like, oh, I can lose the weight that I keep gaining or I just can't seem to get rid of. Um, but after I started experiencing all the other wonderful health benefits that made it a lot easier to commit despite my circumstances in life going on because I was receiving a lot of other benefits. And so that became my why really focusing on my health and, and how great I felt, um, how much more mental clarity and focus I had, how much better I felt. I was in less pain because I didn't have inflammation. And so, you know, having that centered as my why, that's why I'm doing this, even if the scale isn't moving. Um, I think that when you get those things in order, you're good. It's just getting there. And that's, I think, what's hard for people. True story. Yeah, I I couldn't say it better myself if I tried. Awesome. So now that you're I feel like after you hit that year mark, like the commitment is obviously not going to change. Like it's unwavering. You're like, this is what I do. This is the lifestyle I've adopted. Um, how do you approach and do you approach other people in your life that you know need to make this transition and I feel like I know what you're going to say but you know for your friends and your family that you see struggling or you see dealing with postpartum or you see you know just anxious and you know in pain from their inflammation or the arthritis that's coming at ages younger and younger you know how do you impact or how do you change or talk to them about it well how do you approach the topic very gently um people 
people know they need to make the changes. (laughs) They do, you know that. Um, But they're going to be resistant if you, uh, I say most people will, if you try to be in their face about it. And so I try to gently lead by example so they can see, you know, when we meet for a meal, they can see the choices I'm making. And if it's open in conversation, I can explain why I made those choices and how I, how great I feel and here's what I'm doing and that sort of thing. And then, you know, depending on their interest at that point, will determine the rest of the conversation or if I bring it up again or if I say hey you should check out this person or you know I I got a bunch of books from Jimmy Moore so I've been trying to give them out to people awesome (laughs) yeah yeah so if they're open and willing I am more than happy to share and to teach them what I can I don't turn anybody away even if it's random strangers messaging me on Instagram I'm more than happy to take the time to talk to them because you know it's it's so it's just so sad to see the chronic state of illness that our society is in and to know this simple solution you know and I want to share that That's awesome. So which brings me to my next question. So why have you decided, I know you share a lot about it on Instagram. Why have you decided that you wanted to impact other people? Um, well, you know, part of it I consider as a Christian is it's in service. Um, God opens those doors and gives us talents. And like, even as a teenager, I had always had interests in nutrition. So, um, it's something I'm passionate about. And when you're passionate about something, it makes it a lot easier to share. And, um, so that's why I always try to take those opportunities that kind of fall in my lap or those doors that open. If people are willing to listen, I'm more than willing to share. I love it. That is awesome. Well, cool. I'm glad that you said that because the whole Atherton Mills market, I say Atherton Mills market and maybe another commercial kitchen somewhere else in Charlotte, but I really do want to put something together where we can, you know, educate and show parents, specifically those that homeschool their kids, how to make those swaps and make those changes. Um, I never, (laughs) you know, I made a commitment. I want to say a few months ago, I told my wife, I said, I need to start doing more locally. I feel like there's way too many people here locally that I can touch and help and impact. And, you know, I I don't, I have people, clients that are as far away as Norway. Um, and there's people that I run into here that have no idea what's going on or what's been done or how to do things. And, um, you know, I never want to be that type of individual that's like, take care of everywhere else first. I want to take care of home. I want to take care of the community that's here. And so, um, things that can be done to start impacting more people here locally is definitely something that I think Keto Coach Lauren does such an awesome job in, in her town of Graham doing that. And I want to be able to do more of that here in Charlotte. So you, you have just been, <laughs> you have just been invited to, to jump alongside. The yeah. I feel like the, I've just been nominated for a position here. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. yeah none. Take it or leave it but it's happening anyway so you you have to know um it'll be it'll be fun and it'll be enjoyable and the only thing that'll happen is positive life change so i look i look forward to figuring out how to put all that stuff together it'll be cool but um i appreciate you taking the time out is there where where can everyone find you um i'm on instagram like all the time my handle name is keto girl k-r-y-s keto girl chris 
Keto Girl Chris. I will make sure I have that in the show notes. Um, do you have anything that's up and coming ketogenically or otherwise that you want people to know about where they can find you or participate or encourage you along? No, I just, um, I've been trying to be more active as far as daily posts right now. I'm going through the deeper state keto program. So my focus right now is showing people how easy and sustainable and delicious it is to live on only 10 carbs a day. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Deeper state keto, I think is awesome for that. I know that there's some other programs that are, that are coming up and people are promoting to do those things. Um, I typically stay under five grams total, but again, I am carnivorous. So that makes it a lot easier to do that. But, um, how have you found so far? When did you start that? Was that like a beginning of the year thing for you? No, it'll be two weeks on Friday that I started. Um, I bought the program last year, but due to life circumstances, I couldn't do it. So now that things have settled out, I was ready to dig in. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And and I am learning about, I'm educating myself about carnivores. So that might be a natural transition at some point for me. It may be. I will tell you that I can't tell you how many people have transitioned from one to the other based on the things that they've come up with. And for everyone that's listening that has questions about carnivore, I would direct you to listen to episode 14, which has Amber O'Hearn. There's actually several people I've had on that talk about carnivore, but the Amber O'Hearn episode is a long one, but a goodie um, episode 14. So, and if you haven't, I would definitely say Crystal, check that out. You'll love it. Um, but again, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on. I appreciate it. And um, we will definitely be connecting to get some things collaborated here locally. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. No problem. The Keto Matrix Podcast, where myths are busted, science is explained, and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and everyday people alike. For more information and support, go to theketomatrix.com.